Weather today in the ground. I love you so badly. I could... They're solid plastic, so don't settle for imitation. But the senator, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. <laughs> Good evening, this is Heidi Abramowitz, and this is the best of an Alan Smithy podcast. You give us 67 minutes and we'll give you 67 minutes of words. Once in a generation comes a film so beloved, it changes the way we think about motion pictures. That film is not Judge Dredd, Sylvester Stallone is not the law, Dredd is the law. Is Dredd that film? From the 3rd of May 2013, it's a double feature discussion of Danny Cannon's 1995 Judge Dredd and Pete Travis's 2012 Dredd. When you gaze into the fist of Dredd, the fist of Dredd gazes into you. Hi everyone, welcome to an Alan Smithy podcast. My name is Matt and my blog is cinemachine.blogspot.com. And my name is Andrew and my blog is thestopbutton.com. And this is our little podcast where we talk about uh, movies and usually they are double features. This episode is a double feature of Judge Dredd, the infamous 1995 Sylvester Stallone vehicle. And the uh, unjustly ignored, I'll, I'll say it right now, uh, <laughs> uh, kind of relaunch um, from last year, Dread 3D. Of course, we didn't watch it in 3D, uh, but we'll, we'll get to that. Um, Judge Dredd. Uh, so, you know, most people, I guess myself included, uh, first heard of the character because of the Stallone movie. And I think even as a kid, I could tell, like, that looks like a crappy movie, but there is something cool about that character. And um, after I watched both movies, I went back and, and read the comics, you know, a bunch of them. I mean, there's a lot of them because the, 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 the comic like ran as a weekly series. It's part of a weekly uh, series called 2000 AD and like Judge Dredd was just one of the recurring featured stories. Um, but the character goes all the way back to 1977 and – there's a lot of comics out there, but like, um, it's a really good comic. I mean, it's hard to say it's a really good comic. Like, you know, you'd say Batman is a really good comic because it's been around so long and it's been in so many hands. But um, looking at like the list of people who worked on Dread, it's kind of the same feeling I had uh, reading Marvel Comics: The Untold Story when you recommended that to me. Like, oh, so this is where DC got all their talent. Yeah. <laughs> It's like uh, Brian Boland, uh, the guy who wrote the uh, who drew the Killing Joke. He drew a bunch of uh, Dread comics, and um, no, a bunch actually, a b- bunch of uh, people who worked on Dread ended up working at DC and for uh, and for Batman, in fact. But then the other funny thing about Judge Dread and the character and the whole world inside the comics is it is clearly an influence on RoboCop and clearly an influence on like even something like Mad Max. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I kind of thought it went the opposite way, but no, I mean, uh, I, it's safe to say without judge dread, you wouldn't have RoboCop or you wouldn't quite have Mad Max the way we had Mad Max. Um, it's just, you know, really awesome. So, you know, flash forward to 1995, uh, character is well established although never really in the united states so you're gonna make a a a big blockbuster movie based on a comic franchise that doesn't cost too much judge dread sounds like a good idea just like the mask and tank girl and you know these other like low cost comics properties that got bought up in the five or so years after batman and attempted uh, into into blockbuster summer movies to various degrees of success and uh, you know it's just an abysmal awful awful uh unpleasant boring stupid movie and uh you 
I, I remember you reviewed it on on the stop button a long, a, long, a long time ago, and you said it was the only time. It was the first time you could remember seeing someone walk out on a screening, and it was a preview screening. It was it was a sneak preview. So, okay, Judge Dread. I was reading up on it. it, it it's apparently in some ways Stallone's first movie of that type because he was cast as dread. It wasn't like a Stallone project. It was something they brought him in on. Cause it was during his, you know, he'd just done demolition, man. He was, his career was at its nineties low point. Uh, he'd done, <laughs> don't stop or my mom will shoot like in 93. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, you know, he like signed on to do this movie. And so, um, when I saw it, I didn't, know much about Judge Dredd. I knew it was a comic in the UK. It wasn't particularly easy to get. Um, you know, your comic book shop would have some crappy collections from like 1987 or mm-hmm. something like, and it was oversized cause it's British and they don't do the, um, the same dimensions, but I'd never actually read it except I think, um, at that point I had read Judge Dredd and Batman, which is not, I mean, it had some, I think it had the big robot from the Judge Dredd movie, but that was about it. Um, <laughs> You've got a cold this week, right? <laughs> I've got a cold this week. I'm sorry. So I go to the sneak preview. It was in the summer. I remember Stallone had a quote that you're going to see bat wings all over the uh, theater floors. Because Judge Dredd's going to shoot him <laughs> up. And, okay, oh, that was the other thing. Um, two more things. One is they wanted it to be PG-13, and they couldn't get it with all the violence. That's why there's no particularly good violence in it, is because they were actually shooting for PG-13. And two, um, it's Disney. Like, this was Disney's first attempt at, you know, now Disney, you know, makes bill- – half a billion dollars off the Avengers, but you know, this was their, this is how Disney made superhero movies, uh, Mm -hmm. without Marvel. Um, yeah. So I'm at the sneak preview. It's the midnight show. And there were these, these guys, like a group of guys who were older than me. I was in high school. Like I was probably, I don't know, maybe a sophomore. And there were like guys from my high school who were older and I recognized them from around the school and, you know, and just was like, okay. And then watching the movie, I think they had like the front row center and I was back in my front row center days. So I had to sit someplace else and they got up and left <laughs> at some point during it. And I was just kind of like, is it that bad? <laughs> and then, you know, I never had seen it again until probably the time I reviewed it for the stop button. And yeah, it's, it's so bad. I mean, it's Do you remember at, at what point, uh, the, those guys walked out. Like it was like a weird point. It might've been when Armand, Armand Asante killed the warden or something like I equated to when I walked out on the first Harry Potter movie. It was like, I'm let's go get lunch. And it wasn't because, like, anything in particularly happened, though I think the Quidditch match had happened in Harry Potter, and I was like, holy shit, CG's bad. But it was like, let's go get lunch, and that's how those guys left. I'm not sure they were like, hey, let's go to the IHOP, you know, or whatever 24-hour place they were going to go to. Yeah. Because nothing that offensive happened. It was just, like, some random stupid thing in the movie, which is full of that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, it's funny you mentioned Demolition Man because um, I could sort of see this being pitched to Stallone as like Demolition Man 2. And I mean, Demolition Man isn't a great movie. I might even go so far as to say it's a good movie, but it it's like RoboCop compared to Judge Dredd. But it, it's both – I think Stallone just enjoyed starring in movies that took place in, in a like far-flung future, although – it's even more far flung than Demolition Man, uh, but it kind of even in the creation of the world, it's you know it's obviously like very expensive. There's a lot of moving parts and big sets and stuff. But I mean, for for a you know Mega City One is where it takes place, and and it's supposed to be a conglomerate of cities 
across the eastern seaboard that had to be formed because the world has become this nuclear desert and a big wall has been erected around Mega City 1 and there's a few other mega cities throughout the world but like Mega City 1 is for all intents and purposes like New York um you know of of the late 70s when the comic was created and I really hated how in the first few minutes of this movie um Rob Schneider oh, uh, <laughs> like oh. we're in we we're introduced to this world through Rob Schneider's eyes, and even though he presumably is from Mega City One and is just now coming back from prison, he's like looking around like a starry-eyed child at this fantastic metropolis, and 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 the Alan Silvestri music is all like, "Wow, look at all this stuff." They're trying to make it seem like they're trying to make it seem like Blade Runner when like it's supposed to be this awful dystopic hyper violent place and how come rob schneider i guess he's just i guess he's just happy to be back yeah and it has a lot of flash too i mean it's not dreary it's like it it might be garbage ridden but it's very glossy garbage um yeah the alan silvestri score it i think it's just because i you know i watched the back to the futures more recently than i had the last time i would have seen judge dread his music at the end of this is just it's just like he took his back to the future chase <laughs> stuff and just threw it in some other movie and you know nobody cared because it was alan Silvestri in 1995 <laughs> it's just yeah um yeah but rob schneider he like in some ways was probably like the biggest star in this. <laughs> I mean, he had a steady job on you know saturday Night live at this point right like okay. Well, that's the other thing that reminds me of uh, Demolition Man is that Rob Schneider has a small part in that, but like it's small enough that he doesn't take over the movie like he does in this. I mean, in this, he's just Dredd's sidekick, and and there's no reason for it. Dredd doesn't have sidekicks, number one, but if he did, they certainly wouldn't be like a wisecracking ex-con who adds who brings nothing to the table whatsoever. He. Yeah, it's it's yeah, just he, like a it's just they got along on Demolition Man and now he's back in an even bigger role to to ruin an already bad movie. Yeah, I mean, so Stallone and that was, the cast is really uh, <laughs> you, you compare and I I also remember you've compared you've compared this to uh like Dune or Flash Gordon where there's this international cast. Yes, cuz the Jurgen Prochnow now and Joan who's, Chan and Who's really mismatched and uh, Max yeah, Van Sydow? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, who, of course, was in <laughs> who's also Emperor Ming in Flash Gordon. But um, Armando Sante is really bad as the villain, like laughably bad because he's supposed to be like over the top and terrifying, but he's just he comes off as just over the top and goofy. Like there's so many there's so many scenes where you're supposed to be like frightened of his rage, and it just seems like. A crazy, harmless man yelling at the top of his lungs. And he has, like, long monologues. He has the right, like, really right. long monologue. It's like three and a half minutes. Um, but Stallone defends this movie. <laughs> you can find a quote from him on the Wikipedia page where he still defends it. He's like, no, you know, like, raises interesting questions about, <laughs> like, fascism in the future. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. That's, that's stupid. Yeah. And he's like, and everybody... <laughs> That's what it was supposed to do. That's not what it was. There's a difference. And he's like, and all the fans had a problem because I didn't take off my mask. Oh, right. Because I took off my helmet. And it's like, you know, his helmet's off immediately. I mean, there's like... Yeah, like like, after the the opening scene (laughs) where he shows up to bust up a block war, he, yeah, takes it off and it never really goes back on again until maybe like the very last minute of the movie where they, you know put it back on and it's like well you're a judge again uh and yeah the whole the whole uh removal of his helmet thing was i don't even know if you could say it was much of a controversy because like you said people didn't really know who judge dread was in america when this movie came out but british fans were pissed i mean even before even like before the movie came out when they could when british fans could delude themselves into hoping that this might turn out to be a you know a decent movie uh 
already they you know they were primed against it because of the helmet removal and yeah by the way in the comics judge dread never takes off his helmet which is another big uh, similarity to robocop and that you know you've got this character whose eyes are always covered and who basically acts with his chin and his mouth yeah um stallone couldn't have, couldn't have handled that um <laughs> And he's, he's, he's wrong for it because, I mean, he's wrong for the role because you do need someone like Peter Weller who has the... Yeah, well, he plays a, you know, imagine, it's like, imagine if Peter Weller had played RoboCop all campy, you know? I mean, Ju- Stallone pretty much plays Dredd as a, as a joke, like, you know, we're just supposed to laugh at, at how uptight and fascistic he is, and it's like, yeah, we are, but he's also supposed to be horrible. <laughs> it's it's yeah. part of... Um, part of part of that uh, dry British humor of uh, contrasting the horrible with the mundane, uh, something something that the movie just doesn't get. And it's like you can you can occasionally see them making stabs at you know some kind of uh, future you know net bad future humor like uh, a, a a robot that spouts a spouts a line about you know eat recycled food. Oh, I get it, eat shit. Yeah, but. It doesn't even really try for that very hard. And, you know, by the way, the, the setting of the city, and I guess we'll get in a little more into this talking about Dread 3D, but um, the really futuristic city, it, 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 that was a part of the comic, too. I mean, the comic is very much, you know, like an inspiration for Blade Runner. Uh, it's very, like, heavy metal, um, you know, things piled on top of each other, lots of giant billboards and things flying through the air. Uh, But then the movie even kind of wastes that because the plot, we haven't even discussed the plot, takes uh, Dredd and Schneider out into the cursed earth, the desert, you know, wasteland that the United States has become. And they run into these, you know, hills have eyes mutants with cybernetic implants and stuff. And, and, um, like... The funny, the funny thing about the plot line, well, it's an amalgamation of a few different plot lines from the comic. Uh, like, you know, there, yeah, they, you know, there is uh, this mutant family of criminals called the Angel Clan that's out in the cursed earth. And yeah, Dredd had a brother, uh, genetically engineered, named Rico, who comes back to wreak havoc, and that's from the comics too. And Rico is the Armand Asante villain. Um, but like it doesn't hang together because they're just slapping bits and pieces from different storylines and also this is just like something that these bad comic book movies did at the time like tank girl like you know is also full of characters at least their names are being used and you know miscellaneous bits of storyline from here and there but if you don't have the tone right and if the script is rock stupid it's like what's the point of being you know having fidelity to the events of the comic books yeah i mean that's a really strange thing and um it oh even uh i'm sorry but one one thing i wanted to mention rob Sh- rob schneider's uh, character is a character from the comic, but in the comic, he's literally a mentally retarded person. So ponder that that for a moment. Yeah. They don't seem to do that as much since, um, and that never was the case in, with the big budget ones. It's not like the Batman, the first four Batman movies are, really based on any, any specific comic thing. Um, yeah. And the, now you look at Chris Nolan's Batman movies are nothing but stuff stolen from the comics. Exactly. With, with, yeah. And so in that way, Judge Dredd enabled Christopher Nolan. Um, and the same for the new Superman is they're going to do, they're ripping off a bunch of stuff and the writers are ha- fine with it because eventually they get paid. It's not like the writers get screwed forever. They just don't get any credit on screen. Um, the Marvel ones are different where they seem to like, but they still pick and choose little things and, you know, it remains to be seen how well it'll all fit together. But yeah, dread having fidelity to the comic. Uh, it, the funny thing seem- is like, on on paper it does that's the funny thing like you know on on paper you'd read a plot description you're a judge dread fan who hasn't seen the movie yet you're like wow yeah. this sounds this sounds awesome oh they're look at doing all this, that yeah hey that sounds look at good. all the stuff they included 
But, and supposed, supposedly the robot uh, is not from Judge Dredd. He's from some other 2000 AD comic, and they, like, accidentally included him. Like, they bought they bought the rights to the character before they realized it wasn't a Judge Dredd thing, and they had to pay extra to whoever did the other 2000 AD comic, <laughs> which kind of suggests that the screenwriter was just, like, given a few issues of 2000 AD and just kind of flipping through them looking for things to include. Well, it's, it's William Wisher, right? The guy who co-wrote Terminator 2, I think. Um oh. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, it, so you would think that it would be someone who really loved the comic who would choose to put all these, you know, little bits and pieces from very from 20 years of uh, comics. But Yeah, Judge but Hershey, uh, the female judge, is another actual character from the comic. I'm guessing she and, she and Judge Dredd don't, don't hook up in the comic like they do in the movie. Uh, no, I don't think Judge Dredd hooks up with anybody. Yeah. Ever. The, <laughs> there's this stupid Balthazar Getty who was going to be a big star back in 1995, and then White Squall, I think, ruined his career. Um, he's in it as the tech guy, and it's great how the technology they imagine for for Judge Dredd is, like, something you could have done with a computer in, I don't know, what, like 1999? <laughs> so they couldn't... Mm-hmm. They did not aim high with this. And the funny thing is, is the guy who directed this, Danny Cannon, this, this like ruined his career for a second. But then I think he, I think he, yeah, he's gainfully employed. He like does CSI or something. He created it, but he directed a movie called Phoenix in 2098 with Ray Liotta and a bunch of very odd cast, um, like Jeremy Piven, just, just Angelica Houston. Very strange cast, and um, it's pretty good. I remember it. Um, I mean, it was good the last time I saw it, which was probably 1999, but it was it was one of the first, like, directed DVD releases, mm. um, or directed video and DVD, and I think it was from Trimark. I still have the old DVD, but, you know, he, he's all right. It has this great, that movie, which is, it has a great, um, like, Tarantino-esque, uh, well, Reservoir Dogs ask conversation about King Kong in a car mm-hmm. ride. A bunch of guy, a bunch of like dirty cops off to go shoot somebody, are like debating uh-huh. King Kong and the and it's you know the very nineties and it's Jeremy Piven doing it. So and you know Danny Cannon did okay with that and so he's one of those guys who Judge Dredd I think was his second movie and it just sort of it's like why would you give this to some inexperienced British guy just because you can be like, well, he's British. He, he must have <laughs> Judge Dredd. Um, yeah. I knew that, I knew Judge Dredd was going to be bad um, right from the beginning because the opening titles are set against a montage of the, the comics. comic books. And that, I don't know why, but on, like only bad comic book movies do this. It's because they realize when they get done with the crappy movie they spent too much money on, they don't have enough money to do opening credits. Oh, maybe. Except except maybe for Flash Gordon because somebody clearly put thought into that. They did, yes. And that's that, – well, this was only the covers, right? It was a bunch of covers. Yeah, this is probably even lazier than the titles of Return of Swamp thing because it's just titles and then like you see somebody flipping through the pages – of a comic. Yeah, Return of Swamp Thing, at least, you know, they had, like, nice quality artwork that they flipped around and spinned and stuff. This is just... It, I don't even... It, it, it It's almost like they did it for the British audiences, where they're like, hey, Judge Dredd, you <laughs> love him, here it comes! Like, you know, <laughs> Rob Schneider's gonna be on screen in just a second! Um, <laughs> yeah. I can't really think of what it would be like here, um, you maybe like Spider Man. If they'd done something similar with the first Spider Man, it could have been for you know everybody who loves Spider Man, and because yeah. you know when Spider Man came out, it, there hadn't been a movie yet, and it's it's just you know Star Trek Episode Seven could open with some like thing that went through all the movie posters, and that's how much like weight they put on these poster on the comic book covers, and you're like. You guys couldn't even afford to redesign the logo for the movie 
Yeah, Instead, which is another like half were they lazy, half is this fan service kind of question. Yeah, it's just oh, it's it, it was so bad this time. I actually stopped it at one point because <laughs> I like felt I was like, oh my, I, I can't believe I'm watching this again. I need to stop it. I just have to. Well, I have to step yeah. away. I knew the point at which I had, you know, I had to kind of like gird my loins a little more was, um, I guess when they get to the cursed earth and they're going to be, you know, tortured by the, by the angel clan and Rob Schneider is all like, yeah, don't do it. No, I'm on your guy's side. I was like, Oh, am I really watching this? That's about, that's about at the halfway point. That's about 45, 50 minutes in. And, and it just kind of gets worse because, you know, then it's it's just all about Armando Sante's evil plan to to take over the city and with a with an army of atomic supermen. And and it's and when and when they're fighting at the end, it is just like the ending of Demolition Man with like Stallone and Snipes in a, a big uh, mechanical operating type room surrounded by chirogenic tubes of people. And, uh, yeah, I guess, you know, another thing about Stallone is, is he's, he's playing it all campy, but he he doesn't even have the sense to kind of play it as a parody of himself. Right. Because if you, if you go back and you look at something like Cobra, he's playing, he's he's playing Cobra more seriously than he's playing the character of Judge Dredd. Uh, And Cobra is like actually so ridiculous. It's fun, but this is just ponderous. And it's only nine. It it runs ninety six, but like the end credits are seven. So, mm-hmm. and um, oh god, Versace designed the costumes. Well, I I read that too, but then uh, it it looked like Versace submitted costume designs that were rejected. Oh okay, because his name because is on the credits. Yeah, he probably got to keep the credit, but. I, I think I saw some some sketches from him on the costumes that were supposed to be in the movie, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, they're they're uh, they're pretty gay. I gotta say. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the outfit in the movie is basically. I mean, that's another reminder of Flash Gordon. Is it's like spandex with stuff over it, like. All right, and by the way, uh, when I said gay, I did mean literally homosexual. <laughs> Not, I'm not using it to mean stupid, although it is that also. I just mean it. It's it looks like casual evening wear at plate at, at Plato's retreat, not not like a future garb that future people would wear. Yeah, the costumes are like you know they they look like the the comic again. It's it's you know it's got fidelity to the source material, but. Only on on the superficial level. Um, boy, there was something else that was just like that. Watchmen. That's what I'm trying to think of. Watchmen. <laughs> on paper and just looking at pictures from the movie, you'd be like, wow, they've perfectly captured what Watchmen is all about. And then if you actually watch the movie, it's like, this is stupid. Um, not that Watchmen is as bad as Judge Dredd. It's just bad for different reasons um, um i did want to talk about one really dumb it thing. just it just goes to show getting the costume right is you know not the be all end all of a good comic book movie no and that's what one of the funny things is is it's it, it's a little bit less the selling point but for a while the costume was what people you know what they sold people on there like, yeah oh, well the, the post with that that costume, yeah. yeah, and the poster was just a big close-up of you know Stallone's visored face. You didn't see a lot of that visor, though. Um, no, but the trial. So Judge Dredd's on trial for killing um, Mitchell Ryan, I think. Um, but anyway, so Diane Lane gets him off, and then the chief prosecutors like no wait i have this secret thing i wasn't going to tell you and you find out that all of the whenever the the judges shoot their guns their dna is coded to the bullet and it's like why why didn't you know that (laughs) (laughs) um and that also brings up the wonderful 
awful mid-80s, like, sentient computer thing. Oh, like the kind this, that you yeah, can talk, the, talk the, the to and issue talk orders to? to? Yeah, like, it's, so it's like Siri taking control of the whole city. And <laughs> with the worst, the funniest thing is, that's from, I don't know if it's from the comic, but it's from RoboCop the series. It's from hmm. RoboCop the TV show. Their pilot episode is that happens. And it's like, do, do you think they were like, hey, RoboCop the series did it. It's already been canceled. Nobody will know. Yeah, were they also borrowing from RoboCop 3 when they showed the fake footage of Judge Dredd killing innocent people? Oh, I think Mitchell like, Ryan's like, in 3. Like where they framed Robo for shooting those nuns in RoboCop 3? Well, it was a frame-up job, man. Oh, and I, you know what? One last thing that we got to mention about this movie and the small impact that it had on people's consciousness. So, uh, the one thing that people remember from this movie <laughs> and the one thing that I kind of knew about it before seeing it is simply the sound and the look on Stallone's face when he says, I did not break the law. I am the law. Oh God. Yeah. That's, that's just a horrible line that, Will just be quoted forever, I think, because there's just something. There's just something about it, like it's getting across the essence of the character, and it's being delivered in the dumbest voice you can imagine. <laughs> yeah, he did, not, he did not break the law. He I, is the law, I, Judge Dredd. I think I'm never gonna see it again. I think I've I've done my. Oh, Judge me either. Dredd. Not not if I can help it. Well, and okay, my last thing is actually going to be a complaint about how bad the effects work actually is when it the composites on this for '95 are terrible. Um, mm. Like when Stallone and Rob Schneider are flying around together, mm-hmm. um, the composites are just the the rear screen projections just terrible for '95. I mean, you know, this is the same year that what was a diehard. Three was, you know, figuring out how to do digital composites and stuff. Yeah. Like it, it's, yeah, it's because Danny Cannon does not direct a, you know, whatever it would have been, like ninety-five million dollar movie or whatever the hell it was, eighty, and it's just so they can't even. I mean, the robot actually looks cool, I guess. Like it kind of looks. It like, looked- it looks cool because yeah. again they just swiped the design right off the comic page. Yeah. Uh I can I can't quite say I believed it though because it's pretty obvious that it's just this big clunky thing being moved by a few puppeteers and you never really believe that it could like stand on its own two feet and walk around. It actually sat a lot, I remember. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There's a lot of sitting scenes when it's not doing things. Yeah. Okay. So let's do, uh, I guess, another one of those commercial break things. And then yeah, we'll, we'll take do... a little break here, and then uh, when we come back, we will be talking about Dread 2012. So uh, stick with us right here. We still need to record a bumper for the Lamb Podcasting Network. What should we say? First, we should let everyone know who we are and the title of the show. Like, we're Jess and Rachel from the Real Insight Podcast. And we need to explain what the show's about. You mean, like, we cover one actor's career every other week? But don't forget that we also talk new movies that we've recently seen, and we also discuss a random topic in every episode. Oh, there's just one more thing. We kind of have to keep it clean. What? that! Real Insight. Check us out at realinsight.com. .podomatic.com or subscribe through iTunes. A witness to murder. Local police don't have the resources to protect you. The only option has a federal protection witness program. You think you can find the girl? And the man hired to kill her. Jodie Foster from The Accused, The Silence of the Lambs, and Little Man Tate. Dennis Hopper from Chattahoochee and Blue Velvet. Star in the film everyone's been talking about. Backtrack. This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com. If this monster sun flare reaches the earth, complete destruction. From the visual wizards who brought you Star Wars and 2010.
And we're back. So, uh, Dread 3D. First of all, um, I've already said that I enjoyed this movie. I really regret not seeing it at the theater in 3D. Yeah. Because we're never going to get that chance again. It was... This movie cost so little and it and it didn't make back very much there's never going to be a sequel which is a tragedy in its own right um but i regret not having seen this in 3d oh and i feel like that's because of the marketing campaign that i feel like this was very much marketed sort of like as one of those, hey, it's in 3D, you should come see it because it's in 3D. And right. they did show some of the um, – so the preview also makes it seem like a knockoff of like every other future movie because, you know, it's Judge Dredd versus a drug dealer. So for anybody who'd seen RoboCop 2, it automatically <laughs> – it automatically seems like it's RoboCop 2 because he's fighting Kane. But yeah, and so the the drug scenes, the drugs called slow mo, and it makes everything slow down for basically long enough for a lot of people to get killed. And they sort of showcased that in the previews, but that's it. They showcased that so much you didn't get to see any of the good stuff. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, the slow mo stuff's cool. Like, you know, I I wondered how much. You know, did they just shoot it at, you know, 90 frames a second and slow it down? What'd they do? But, I mean, that, that's not the selling point of the movie. The selling – and then I'm wondering if they marketed it in the U.K. differently because, you know, mm-hmm. U.K. audiences presumably have been clamoring for the <laughs> real Dread movie as opposed to American audiences who are like, wait, yeah. why isn't Stallone in it? Uh, I know. And you know what? Maybe it just comes down to not being able to shake off the stigma of Judge Dredd 1995. Because, I mean, you, well, you, can't, you, can't, you can't blame the average moviegoer for thinking, Judge Dredd, again? No, thank you. you I know? think that, well, it's Lionsgate, so... I have a lot of problems with Lionsgate as a distributor, or at least they distribute it here. But Dread strikes me as the type of movie that if they'd opened it in a limited release, yeah, it would have fine. Yeah, and that's true. And they even, I mean, they did the legwork of, like, taking it to the Comic Cons and, and you know, Toronto Film Festival and yeah. stuff like that. And it was getting good notices, you know, by and large. Well, actually, I mean, kind of reading about the critical reception, um, it seemed to get good reviews um, only from genre fans, uh, and then like the mainstream papers, you know, were already sort of disposed against it because of the Stallone movie. And then they just said, like, this is just a, a dumb, violent action movie with nothing to offer. And when you think about it, there have not been a lot of. <clears throat> violent action movies that yeah have been and it's like raced lately <laughs> i mean right. and i mean we we do live in the era of the pg-13 action movie for grown-ups so something like dread with its ultra violence is a real breath of fresh air the way i was describing this to people after i saw it is like this is a movie that like takes the lessons of robocop and mad max seriously and yeah. is like and is actually aiming at that level of quality and not just quality, but like the mood of it. Um, what I was saying earlier about like Mega City One, the way it's depicted, it's like, okay, this is not, you know, uh, this movie is made on a relatively low budget for, for the kind of movie that it is. And they turn it, instead of being a far flung future movie, it's a near future movie, that elusive sub genre of sci-fi where it's just far enough in the future that things suck and things (laughs) and and things suck so bad that the only guy who's going to clean up town has to be you know somebody totally ruthless and possibly a little more than human i.e mad max i.e robocop i.e judge dread and you know so yeah you don't have aliens or robots or things like that but it gets the mood right. This is the bleak, you know, cynical mood 
from the comics and of the character and it works it's like it it draws you in right away you got some opening narration from uh carl urban as dread describing mega city one and the camera is panning over the city and it's you know it's like somewhere in south africa but with some digital compositing it Mm -hmm. looks like this never-ending you know urban just cityscape that goes on forever and you believe it you're like okay yeah i'm in the post-apocalyptic future this is all that's left this giant city where you know things are just kind of things things uh, need a little cleaning up a little law and order and then you've got dread chasing after some guys in a van on a, on a highway with his motorcycle and it's immediately it's like can you fly bobby it's like we're <laughs> it's robocop time again i loved it um yeah it's like it and there's also an element of like die hard in it because eventually it's set in yeah him uh, trying to them trying judge dread and judge anderson trying to get through one of the huge blocks um which is like a huge uh skyscraper it's like an apartment building that is the size of a skyscraper and houses over a hundred thousand people. Yeah, it's like the love boat because there are shops too. <laughs> Isn't it, that's like the really cool thing is it you go they go back to locations and stuff. So you know they do a really good job with um the constraint they have of the budget and it and it just feels like you know. The making of feel it's got to sound like when they were they talk about making you know Escape from New York and the in the streets of wherever the hell they shot it, uh, um, St. Louis, St. After, Louis after, after a fire, you know? after a fire. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, and that's kind of part of the whole near future thing is like taking ordinary you know, taking reality and then tweaking it just a little with small details and suggestions and dialogue and uh, actually creating the the sense of a future uh, with a context, not just a future through expensive production design. And speaking of the production design and the costume design and such, uh, the redesign of of the judges' uniforms is so interesting because, you know, they – they make it more down to earth. It's basically more like body armor, but you know they keep the uh, the, the eagle insignias and they keep the helmets more or less. And it's amazing what just you know a a stylized helmet can do for the sense that you believe the characters and you believe that these are cops in the future. Much like uh, in Mad Max, the main force patrol, it's like. They're just guys in, you know, all leather uniforms, but, you know, dang, if there isn't something about the uniform and the uh, the, the main force patrol insignia on their bikes and, and cars that makes you believe what you're supposed to be looking at. Yeah. Um, and this, it, it, this is based on a comic uh, storyline. I was talking to well, a friend of I mine. Don't... And oh, it is? Just, yeah, he's just like, oh, yeah, and there was the one where, you know, Dredd and Psycop Anderson, you know, go into the... Bl- I don't know if it was, you know, a female villain, but apparently one of the uh, early uh, Judge Anderson comics uh, had this. And that was one of the things that I thought was cool about it was that they give... Instead of Rob Schneider being our, our you know... V- portal into the world, it's actually the uh, Dredd's trainee... Mm-hmm. And um, she's like psychic, so there's all this stuff. It's really well cast because um, she's good, like, and it's it's tough because she's got to eventually prove that she's tough, mm-hmm. and and she does by the end. But they also have Wood Harris from The Wire as their prisoner i mean because it's not it's not real time but it takes place over i don't know probably like seven hours it's like a disaster movie plotting i mean it's you know they they were really smart about it i was i was surprised how well alex garland um did it even though i like alex garland the last thing i've seen of his is the beach so (laughs) i was down on him but you know 
he he uh he lays out the plotting really well there's um this scene at the beginning just one of the establishing shots is these kids playing or not pl- well they're they're skateboarding on the roof of their block and or a not a roof but like there's a ramp set off off the side of it and later on dread blows his way through there and it it actually felt a little bit like a disaster movie where this little thing comes back for a second and then i don't know yeah you, yeah. you need to see it because i mean it's like the efficiency of it you know you don't see this creativity with budget anymore yeah yeah <laughs> like creative it's really with- surprising Creativity with the budget is uh, definitely an aspect of the film, um, including uh, some of the more far-flung technological stuff that happens, like characters with eye implants and uh, and ho- some holographic stuff. Uh, but nothing, nothing too wacky. Uh, some of the details that they keep. Well, that were kept in the Stallone movie also would be like um, the the judge's guns that you can issue voice commands to shoot different types of ammunition. And um, the uh, – oh, the judge uh, – Cy Judge Anderson's uh, psychic effects uh, look good. And then all the slow-mo stuff too. And, and the slow-mo stuff is uh, – that's another ask. You can definitely see them thinking about that when they were thinking about, you know, what could work for this in 3D. Because, uh, yeah, when the when when the when the bright, colorful lights are are flying around, it's definitely made for 3D. And the blood splatters that would have been another nice thing to see yeah. coming at coming at you in three dimensions. Um, but uh, yeah, Cy Judge Anderson is a comics character, and they you know they reference all these little things from the comics, like uh, ISO cubes being the place where people go to do solitary time. And um, ah, man, the the thing about like the stripped down nature of the story is that I guess originally they were going to try to make this something a little grander. Uh, to you know, adapt one of the longer, more involved storylines from the comic. But the reason that they could do something like this—I mean, doing something like this—is a great, you know, first introductory story to the character if you're going to build a franchise. And you can kind of do that uh, for for Judge Dredd because, like I mentioned before, um, the character started showing up in a weekly, uh, you know, magazine, 2000 AD. So they would just have stories that could be two pages long. I think the original, the very, very first. First Judge Dredd story probably was a two pager, mm-hmm. um, and they could uh, you know there's something nice about the character and the way that kind of works because like there might be like a four page story of uh, well there was like one that I read for example was a four page story of uh, Dredd sees a guy on the street he's like halt you there and the guy starts running and as he runs he like you know pushes people into traffic and you know breaks things and just you know his his sentence just keeps getting longer and longer and then he finally catches the guy and he's like you know why did you run and he's like uh, you know i why did why did you why did you run you just dropped a candy candy bar wrapper and the guy's like well there was a judge after me i mean i figured it must have been something awful and you know that's that wry british humor again but yeah this the stripped down story is really nice and and uh really effective and and as soon as i started telling people about how good this movie was um Several of them started recommending this movie called uh, The Raid, which was like an Indonesian yeah. Indonesian action film, which came out like the same year. And The Raid, I'm sure it's a great movie <laughs> if it's anything like Judge Dredd, but um, you know, it probably stole a little bit of Dredd's thunder. And also, I haven't seen The Raid, but I know it doesn't take place in a near future setting. So, how much cooler could it be, really? I th- I've heard that I'm not sure if it's the first one or the second one, but like one of them basically takes place in a huge abandoned apartment building, and they right. just fight their way through it. Um, <clears throat> from the director of the new RoboCop, too, um, I think. But anyway, oh. yeah. So there's. There's this scene in Dread where, okay, so the bad lady, who's really good, she's from the Sarah Connor Chronicles, but she's really, she's actually scary in this, like, you know, a female villain that's actually scary, 
like because she she plays the disturbed thing so well. But she puts a bounty on the judges' heads, and so you know there's you know a hundred thousand people out there who can kill them. Um, and these two kids go after him. Mm-hmm. And Dredd's basically like, look, you can go to Juvia and kill you. I don't really care. Like, <laughs> yeah. And at that point, you're just like, yeah, I'm sure, you know, Roger Ebert just, you know, threw up and, you know, had to, I didn't even read the Ebert. I don't even know if he reviewed it. Yeah. Um, not, that, not that I noticed. Um, but yeah, that's another thing about getting the character right and the way that uh, Carl Urban plays him. Um, he really plays him as like if RoboCop were a, were a guy and, and not a, and not a cyborg. He's, um, you know, totally merciless, merciless, merciless. Uh, he's filled with mercilessness. And, and yet uh, you kind of believe it. Like he's not a parody of himself. He's not a cartoon. You just kind of believe him as like a Clint Eastwood type. And no, he doesn't take off the helmet. So he does put it on though. He does start the movie with the helmet off and you, oh yeah, you see true. him from silhouette, and I'm actually pissed that they didn't have a joke about. I knew you'd say that. <laughs> I don't think they wanted to stoop so low as to even <sighs> reference the uh, the Stallone movie in any way, shape, or form. I don't know. They could have done something with it and just been like, you know. I don't know. Yeah, I guess they couldn't have really done it because if you'd had somebody do it and then Dredd killed him, it'd be like killing the Stallone movie, but... Yeah. Well, what they kind of... I mean, the ruthlessness of the character is kind of sold because they do... Un- unlike the Stallone movie, they do establish this as like a nightmarish future where life is cheap. So you, you know, you want to like Dredd because he is like you know, this one force of, uh, order and chaos. And actually, oddly enough, um, towards the, at about the midway point in the film, um, it turns out that some of the judges are corrupt. I don't think that really comes up in the comics. If it does, it comes up like very rarely. I mean, I think what's more, what's more akin to the comics is if a judge goes crazy, like that, that storyline has happened a few times, but, not you don't really have corrupt judges like you do corrupt cops uh in the world of judge dread so when they show up at the building and he you know has to off a few of them it's it makes it i guess a little more it, it makes it feel a little more like a traditional cop movie all of a sudden but um you know other uh other details on on the hall of justice or whatever it is and the way that the judge system is set up um come together like the when he's being introduced to Cy Judge Anderson and uh and they're at the the building and his boss has given him the orders I mean it's 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 believable Yeah it's um It's like a really good procedural in some ways like you could almost see it as like a pilot right. For like, and if if Showtime all of a sudden wanted to do a a thing, but then in other ways it's not. In other ways, it is too much a movie. Um, and I feel like, well, one guy I was reading was like, I just don't like it. I don't know why I don't like it, but I just don't like the the Dread remake. And it's like, I guess it's one of those movies because you you do meet people who don't like RoboCop and don't like. Mad Max and don't like um, Precinct 13. Mm -hmm. And I feel like all of those movies have an efficiency Mm -hmm. that is integral to how the the movie functions. And it seems like in action movies that's not as well accepted as it is in horror movies. Yeah. That's true. I mean, it's it's really not a spectacle movie at all. It does have these moments of spectacle, some of which are spectacular, like uh, you know, people get thrown down the shaft of this 
you know, hundreds of stories tall building in slow motion. I mean, that happens more than once, and it's pretty <laughs> amazing. Uh, but and then it almost hits a baby. I mean, it's just yeah, yeah. It's you do kind of well, and meanness is a part of it. I mean, Mad Max, RoboCop, those are mean movies. Innocent people die. Uh, right in the in the beginning uh, chase scene, like the bad guys who are fleeing, they just cream this pedestrian and all you get from dread is uh you know they've taken out an innocent i'm moving in oh, no and, he says he, that's when he decides he's gonna execute them right right exactly <laughs> but like that's also giving you information about about how the judge system yeah. works the whole the whole you know judge jury and executioner and one and one uh, officer thing and the procedural details yeah i mean i i love uh you know like when he tells anderson to to issue judgment and she starts you know listing off how many years these guys are going to get and then he says not to me you know to command and then she's like oh yeah and taps on her radio and then she's uh, sending it back to command um compare that to the similar scene in the Stallone film where he's reading off the list of infractures and he gets to one and the criminal says, let me guess life. And then he shoots at him and Stallone shoots him and he goes death. (laughs) There's nothing like that in in dread 3d. No, um, no, no, no snappy one liners and speaking. Well, I mean, but dread dread has one liners, but like they come after they, after he's like blown a guy's face off. So it, (laughs) They're, like the contrast of the silliness of of his one liner is you know actually has a comic purpose, and that that was another funny uh, influence on RoboCop that I noticed from reading some Dread comics is uh, RoboCop definitely uh, stole a line or two from Dread because uh, Dread is very fond of calling people creeps in the comics. So you got lines like you know your move creep and stuff that found its way into RoboCop years later. Yeah, it it. It's smaller than RoboCop in a lot of ways because it is in a confined setting, um, mm-hmm. which is interesting because, of course, RoboCop would have had less of a budget, but not probably not comparatively um, when you when you think about the scale and inflation. But um, Pete Travis, the guy who directed it, he uh, I think he the only thing I. I've never seen anything else he directed. I think he directed that Vantage Point movie, which was sort of an all-star thriller, but all-star mm-hmm. of has-beens thriller. Mm-hmm. And it's actually got me interested in seeing it just because the action scenes are... Well, it also has sort of a very... Um, the score is that sort of new electronic thing. Yeah. It's dubstepy. Yeah. And you know, the, the action scenes though, you know, the, there's always good payoff on the action scenes and, um, they're not, the slow-mo sort of does take center stage in some of the bigger ones. Cause it's not one of those movies though, where you're going to sit there and go, well, you know, not that many people were killed. No, tons of people. <laughs> There's this yeah. scene where they take like these uh, these aircraft guns and sh- try and shoot out the level dreads on. And I mean, it's just like you've just got kids dying. I mean, I think the real separation of movie popular action movies and unpopular action movies is, you know, where somebody takes a corpse and makes it pretend to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> and that's in here a little um when after he kills one of the uh, bad judges he you know it it's foisted up at the other bad judges and they're like oh wait he, oh shit he's dead you know and it's like it seems like that level of, of touching the corpse and doing that that's not something you see in i don't know yeah but it, and it also you know how many innocent people die it also uh makes a big difference between popular and non-popular uh, action movies. I don't yeah, think that's... popular uh, popular ones don't like to show realistic effects of violence too much. Yeah, and this it's just, you know, I guess that's what Even... and that's kind of the greatness of this little 
minor subgenre, which I'm clearly pushing for Dread to be included in now and forevermore. Um, like it's the fantasy of the future is offset by the hard knocks of you know people still die and in fact life is cheaper than it used to be so a lot of people are going to die yeah it just it just kind it just kind of make it just kind of makes the future setting that much more i don't know it makes it more real than if it hadn't been like in judge dread where the whole thing is just like you know a big set that you could knock over yeah and i i think that well i mean when i read about it I, I read uh, Josh Dysart, who's a comic writer. He commented on it. He's like, yeah, I just saw Judge Dredd. I don't know why the hell people aren't seeing this. He's like, it's like RoboCop, Assault on Precinct 13, like Mad Max, and like two other things. And I was like, oh, <laughs> shit, I should have seen it, and it was gone. <laughs> and yeah. I was just like, damn, you know, like, really? Is it? Because that's not what the preview looked like. The preview looked, you know... Yeah, and it's not like I – I don't think it's like either of us are saying that this movie is as good as all those things combined. But it is like a lot of those things combined, and it's very good, and it's, yeah. a, certain, it's a certain type of genre movie that rarely gets made and you know, even less – even more rarely gets made nowadays. Yeah, I, I mean when's the last movie that was even like this? I mean – Yeah, exactly. Uh, when's, when's last when's last action movie you know what was the last action movie that you felt like you know couldn't have had a pg-13 rating this is this is wow. the real thing i mean leave it up to the british you know the last action movie they couldn't have had a pg-13 rating i mean we live we live in an era of pg-13 diehard sequels people i mean give dread it's due for not hesitating on the violence and that probably is what rubs a lot of critics the wrong way. They were like, oh, I thought action movies had moved past this. Rambo. Oh, okay, yeah, Rambo. <laughs> Not the Expendables, that. though. Not the Expendables, because the Expendables could have very easily been PG-13, both of them. Um, sure. They just need – but the meanness of violence. Um, and the other thing is, is that this is uh, the guy who – not the producer, but one of the executive producers – is the guy who put together the uh, amazing Punisher short, Dirty Laundry, where Thomas Jane is back as the Punisher, and it's a, huh. it, and they shot it for they it was like off the ske- uh, program they they because sh- they don't have any rights from Marvel to do it, and it's you know it's a Punisher thing where you know he, he kills some guy and then they light the bad guy on fire at the end like it's it's mean and the producer was like yeah we might try and do something else with dread because we still have the costume you know (laughs) carl urban still he can still fit the costume so we might do a little sequel you know unofficially and so it's this really uh there's a lot of passion for it from from the producer and that's like just like i was saying with judge dread you know, nobody gave a shit about the Stallone one, whereas with this one, you know, people give a shit about it. Um, yeah. Sadly, it just didn't make enough money to – because they talked to the screenwriter about this, and he's like, yeah, we, I want to do Judge Death, who I guess is like a zombie du- judge or something. Yeah. And it's like, can you even imagine doing this? With, it would be so freaky. <laughs> Right, right. I would have loved to, yeah, have seen more elaborate storylines in this, you know, variation on the Judge Dread world, which is, you know, not too unbelievable as a future. So, yeah. but yeah, no, no, it's not going to happen now. I mean, we should be up. We should. We should be up. You know, not by now, okay, but there could have been five or six Dread movies. They could have been coming out every year. It's just such a tragic and, – and like they planned it out so well because of you know this one partic- – having a very simple story to serve as the introduction to the character. You know, it, it makes the movie work as a standalone thing, um, but unfortunately it's like a, a false start to what could have been a great franchise and it's not like I say that every day. You know, There's not a lot of great failed franchises out there, but uh, unfortunately it looks like this is going to be one of them. Yeah, it's not like 
very rarely when I see something now and I'm like, oh, I bet the second one will be better. It's not like I'm going, I can't wait for the second one. But with this one, it's like, shit, they're not going to make a second one. Right. I, I mean, I don't know what it, they needed to make 40 million or something and they made 25 and it, I mean, it's a big video hit, even though that doesn't mean anything anymore. Maybe they can get somebody else to underwrite it in a couple of years. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, well. All right. So what we're saying is. And this is our dread. fault, too. Yeah. I mean, it's not like either of us saw in the theater. So, shit. Yeah. No, we're, we're, we're uh, guilty. Guys. We're guilty. <laughs> the sentence is death. Uh, yeah. But, okay. So, see Dread, if yeah. you're listening to this, see Dread. If you like any of the movies that we were comparing it to, you, you will like Dread. Don't get your hopes up too high, but, I mean,. It's a good Even if you movie. Like the and you love don't... boat. I say sea drag. No, really, <laughs> I, I do because you know the scene where. I mean, it, it's it's really complicated how the character, except for the judges, the judges are above regular human interaction in a lot of ways, but like the way that the characters have to deal with being in a situation where even like there's the, the, um, the paramedic has this great story arc where he like, he knows he's supposed to help the cops, but like, that's not really his world. And it, it, it's just really complicated and, and good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With, with great sets. I mean, the, the interior yeah. sets are just fantastic. And the costume design, uh, yeah. really neat stuff. All right. Well, but that's, what else can we say? It's, it's, it's a rave review. <laughs> Alan Smithy podcast officially endorses dread. And, uh, Next episode, uh, we are going to be delving into uh, what were we going to be delving into? Caddyshack and Caddyshack Two. That's right. It's yeah. our. It's like it's like our summer episode for yeah. June. We're we're hitting the links. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Caddyshack and Caddyshack Two. So uh, check us out next month for that first Friday, and um, check back a couple of weeks from now on uh, Friday, March seventeenth. We will be issuing another edition of Banter Break, where we'll just talk about you know whatever's going on. We don't even know yet. So yeah. check back check back in a couple of weeks for that. Uh, but for an Alan Smithy podcast, I think that wraps it up. So this has been Matt. And this has been Andrew. And uh, thanks for listening. And, oh, hey, uh, go like our Facebook page while you're, while oh, you're yeah, at it. Oh, yeah, it's facebook.com backslash Alan Smithy podcast. So, yeah, go, go yeah. like the Facebook page. And uh, we will see you next time. Hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Best of Alan Smithy Podcasts. This is Heidi Abramowitz. Good evening.